Hi, and welcome to this week's VFX show. Uh, I'm Matt Wallen, and uh, we are here to travel into a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away again. And uh, I'm here with Jason Diamond. Jason, how are you doing? Excellent. Pleasure to be with you again. Excellent. Happy to have you. And uh, we are also here with Mike Seymour, who is not in a resort far, far away. Uh, Yes, in a resort far, far far away. So, Mike, how are you and where are you? Uh, I'm in Hawaii uh, in a resort in Maui. Now, I'm here for work, so it's just I'm having to suffer the cocktails, the sunshine, the swimming and stuff. Uh, But, yes. And, uh, And... Obviously, at the moment, Australia is a less fun place to be in because of the bushfires. Yeah. Um, but it's a coincidence that I happen to um, need to be in Hawaii this week. So, uh, yes, nice to have fresh air and clear skies, uh, though terribly upsetting what's been happening back home. Yeah, of course. Indeed, yeah. Yeah, well, we're glad you're in a, in a safe place. Uh, but if my audio sounds a bit different, I don't have all the recording kit. I'm. Uh, I'll post the picture in the show notes of the crappy view from my incredibly <laughs> you sound you sound relaxed which is all that matters i am but thanks well so, good christmas oh yeah it was great uh, it was, it was uh Relaxing. very very quiet very mellow yes same splendid uh, well so we're here to talk about uh what is it the the ninth, ninth the end of an era the ninth Star Wars movie, The Rise of Skywalker. J.J. Abrams returns to uh, the franchise to, I don't know, is it to save the <laughs> Star Wars universe or is it to destroy the Star Wars universe? It sort of depends, I suppose, on your perspective. Um, I guess we usually uh, get going here, right, with uh, talking about how we feel about the movie, what mm-hmm. we think of the film itself. And so, Jason, how about you? What did you think of Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker? Uh, well, I was a bit dubious because I... J.J. is not my favorite. I mean, he's good, but he has a tendency to, you know, go off the rails a little bit. I might hesitate to say that this is his best film, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, And I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Yes, it's janky in parts. Yes, it's rushed and crazy. Uh, But for what they had to do to to finish the series... uh, it did all the things it needed to do, sometimes not perfectly. Other times I thought expertly. Uh, cinematography was fantastic. The visual effects were phenomenal. Uh, and more importantly, my 13-year-old son thoroughly enjoyed it because he is the actual audience for this, not us old bastards. <laughs> Too true. <laughs> Mike, what, what about you, Mike? What did you think? Yeah, I was really worried I wasn't going to like it because, you know, I just had some issues with the last one. And I mean, I enjoyed the last one, but, I, you know, I just didn't feel like it was particularly uh, great. And I thought this was really good. And I was stunned when I saw that there were reviews saying that it wasn't good because I thought it ticked all the boxes. It had to walk the line between being incredibly, um, I mean, you know, it, it's the same problem they had in Endgame with Avengers, right? You can have a callback to all of these things because, you know, in theory, it's the end of the sequence. So you need to kind of uh, make reference to everything and not have people going, oh, but we never saw X or Y. So they did all of these great callbacks. They did all of these references, but it didn't feel like the greatest hits 
of uh, one of the slightly earlier uh, Star Wars films, it, you know, did feel like uh, I wasn't completely, it wasn't, everything wasn't telegraphed. In other words, it wasn't immediately obvious where the plot was going. I don't know about you guys, I saw it without having any, uh, I got it at a, at a screening, uh, like a preview, so I didn't have any kind of feedback. I didn't either. I didn't know anything about the yeah. plot. And uh, yeah, so, you know, when they're on places doing things and I'm like, you know, I believe, for example, that Chewie had been killed. Exactly. And that this might be, you know, actually what had happened. And that's one of the also wonderful things when you get to this point with a series. Um, and again, you know, sort of a valid point in Endgame as well. You can kill off major characters and the audience isn't going to say, oh, my God, that's not possible because clearly they're going to be in the sequel. So, you know, it was completely plausible that uh, she could have accidentally killed Chewie and this would have been a a major plot point that would have weighed on her. Um, and so, yeah, it was great to have that kind of, oh, my God, did they really just do that or not? Now, I know they didn't, and you might say it was a cheap trick, but nevertheless, in the audience sitting there, I, like, leant into that really hard. I was yeah. like, oh, my God, really? Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, the uh, it's obviously, spoiler alert, we don't need to get into all the Star Wars minutiae because that could be a whole ep- other episode. But... <clears throat> and we still need to get Matt's point of view, which I'm eagerly awaiting. Um, but uh, I agree. Like there were all these tiny things that they f- they found these favorite moments that they were able to work back in without it. I mean, some of them, sure, they're just like, well, we got to do that. Boom, we'll put it there. But a lot of them, like the Chewy one, I thought were really well paced and executed for um, for – uh, what they needed to do. Yeah. Matt? Yeah, it was plausible. Matt, let's hear from, from this, our, star, <laughs> our, our resident... Let's hear from our own stormtrooper. Stormtrooper. Yeah, so I would say uh, I, I only saw it just this last week. I kind of waited on going to see it until kind of the, the crowds had died down. And, and um, uh, I, I thought it was uh, enjoyable. I, I think the... The second act of this movie is the strongest part of it. Um, the third act maybe being the second best. I think the first act is really weak yeah, um, in terms of script. Uh, it doesn't really where, work where do as you well. Divide, where would you say those, those sort of junction points are? Like what denotes the mm. end of, of the first act and what denotes the end of the second act? I think uh, when, when we see in the first act, if I'm not mistaken, they're on... By the time they leave the the sort of Burning Man planet, does that <laughs> yep. seem about right? That's when I think we move into the second act, and I feel like okay. that's where it feels really strong. And by the time uh, uh, I think it's uh, by the time Ray leaves uh, to go to uh, find Kylo Ren uh, is when we move into the third act. I think for me. In the, I, in the, so the unknown, the unknown regions of the Sith kind of layer kind of thing. Yeah. Does that sound about right? I mean, I feel like that's my memory you mean, anyway. You mean when kind she, of the, well, yeah. I mean, it would make sense that death, Chewbacca's death would be the end of Act 1, yeah. right, roughly. So you're saying the end of Act 2 is when they fight on the water? Uh, it could be. Well, I, you know, I, I mean, I've only seen yeah. it that one time. I just, yeah, I just I remember twice, feeling like in the... In the middle of the film, I remember feeling like, oh, this feels like it's really kind of starting to coalesce. It feels yeah. really good. All the characters were together. I yeah. think that was a great choice to try to get them all together on this on the ship together, and they're all sort of having an adventure together. Mm-hmm. It was the first time where it felt like all these new characters 
were in sort of a synchronous kind of relationship with one another. And it yeah. had that kind of, um, that sort of cam camaraderie, the sort of friendship elements were all sort of clicking into place. And I thought that was some of the strongest yeah. stuff. They still had their own individual kind of bits and pieces they were dealing with, which was fun. But um, I think when they were all together is when it really felt like it, it which, was striking a lot of the notes that I was kind of hoping to, yeah. to hear. Which, which is echoed by Lando's line. Like, you know, how did you do this? Just you bunch of ragtag group of kids. And he's, and his answer was, cause we had each other. And that right. was, and which is exactly what he's voicing, what, what they wanted you to feel with the camaraderie and the, you know, which is essentially Star Wars, right? I mean, it's a bunch of people yeah. who didn't yeah. know each other in a ship being like, fuck, what's gonna happen? But we're, we're gonna do it together. You know what I mean? It's that in, in, as a Western in space. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I like this one better than the previous film, better than The Last Jedi. I think it, Jedi. I know a lot of people love The Last Jedi. They say it's the best film. I think this is the second the second best in this new trilogy. I still think I, I know it's. I still think The Force I, Awakens I'm was really a better film. I'm really stunned by that because the last film to me didn't they? Is that the one where they had that whole diversion where they went down to the casino yeah. for no good reason? Yeah, I didn't and like didn't the casino advance the plot stuff. at all. Yeah, yeah. And they just had this gratuitous, you know, attack of the horses that aren't horses in the casino, which, you know, yeah. was a and we went Mulaney, there's yeah. a horse in the in the hospital kind of. Yeah. But yeah. I just feel like people not, have some I'm, crazy blind love for Ryan Johnson for reasons that I don't quite understand. Like he's he's like a darling of so many people. I, and I, I like mean his he's stuff, he's but serviceable, but like I just don't find what he's he not did infallible. with the, yeah, I just feel like it was the weakest of the three. It was the, it felt like it was, uh, the second one still feels to me like it was the sh sort of the filmmaker's kind of uh, showy version where it's that's, trying I to sort of. I think that's fair. And, and, I, there, and it doesn't work in that universe, I don't think. Like there are some things in this that I'm sure we'll criticize, but I would say they're amusing rather than sort of soul destroying. Like in the last one, the whole, the ship's just in front of us and we can't quite, I mean, I still, I've seen that film twice. I still don't understand how they were just in front of them and they couldn't shoot them and yet they couldn't leave. And it was just like, it was just preposterous to me, you know, like, you know, in an age when we sort of fired drones across the other side of the planet, you had these ships that could almost see each other and they couldn't escape each other. And yeah. we're just wanting, waiting yeah. to run out of, it was just, I'm, I mean, I still don't understand that. And I know you could email me and explain it, dear viewers, but I don't want to know. It's not important. Yeah, it was it was a um, clunky story mechanic. I do like uh, that yeah. that broke the the sort of technical mechanics of the universe in a way that made it seem sort of silly. I do and I do Leia like how they. Suddenly, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say Leia doing the whole "I'm going to float as a dead thing through space" is just something that I tried to forget that I'd ever seen. Well. So that's a good, actually good segue because um, I think we should go to the visual effects portion of this. And I think Leia is a perfect place to start because yeah. Yeah. she passed away two plus years ago and there was a shitload of her in this movie. And there's no way they filmed all of that contextually with her before she passed. Um, right. And so the- You know what happened, right? No, I know, but I'm, I, I mean, that's sort of what we're going to yeah. get into, but, but I, I thought, cause I know that, right. I know that they're manipulating footage and other things 
that they didn't have. And I was stunned at how seamless it was. Now, obviously, they're writing dialogue to kick off lines she had recorded in other in other takes from previous films and other things. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. But it didn't feel clunky. It wasn't like someone said, what about that yellow car? And she was like, hey, I love that yellow car. You know, it wasn't that it, – it felt very natural. Oh, I couldn't agree more. It was like when we saw Digital Layer, I was taken out of the film as I was analyzing the young Digital Layer. I just couldn't take my eyes off looking around her not being engrossed in the film here when Leia is hugging people or doing yeah. stuff, I was just in the story. And then I had to remind myself, Oh, hang on a second. This has got to be a comp. Yeah. Um, I, I think, it, and also I think it's incredibly respectful to the actress yeah. to have her as an actress appearing, not just paying honor to the character she played. Right. Um, I think there was, I just can't, that's I cool. Like, I, I think that's cool that you guys felt that way. I guess like I there I, I, I wish I could say I felt the same. I think part of uh part of it for me was that it's so hard to watch those scenes uh knowing that she's like I couldn't watch those scenes and not know that like what they were. I think maybe that's part of the problem is like going into it knowing that. I mean, you know, I knew it's, I knew what they were doing, but I, I, I sort of had to let it go because they had no choice. And I thought it was the, the most elegant solution instead of trying to CG her or do something else. Um, well, that's, that's a good point. I do think it's the most elegant solution. The one thing I do think that was slightly problematic though, within the context of the story is that what they did have with her, she doesn't wind up, uh, imparting anything. There's nothing that she does or says that isn't, you know, a sort of, you know, yes, okay, I agree. I understand. Well, Tell me they, more. But they manufactured the her causing success through the force yeah. thing that causes her to die, which, so it wasn't that she was inconsequential to the plot. She just didn't have a dramatic scene on camera. Yeah. As she, was, exit, she was but, verbally inconsequential. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, and, but but I don't think she felt like she was just in there as window dressing. Is what I'm saying. Also, also, I think to your point, the the way that they used her on screen death to affect a major change in the plot of the film, and and mm-hmm. which which actually brings about the entire sort of reconciliation of the entire nine movies. Um. And how that dovetails into how the audience then gets to pay respect in the theater to her dying on screen. And they say, you know, farewell, sweet princess. I was like dropping tears in the theater because it's just, they, they, I thought, was very deftly merged real life and movie, you know, character and everyone understanding that she passed away and that, you know, that happens, and but everyone says, "Oh, I'm you know Carrie Fisher. She was Princess Leia. I have a soft spot in my heart for her, or whatever." And wow, and this, and all the characters are also paying their respect and what have you. I thought it was really nicely done. Can I just say? I don't know if you guys are obsessed with the West Wing, like I have been most of my adult life since it went on television. But in the West Wing, they lost a cast member. Um, that cast member died, and that was unexpected, and they had to suddenly shoot around that problem. And they came up with that character dying off screen and a character runs into a room, 
oh my God, Leo's on the floor in the bathroom, but we don't see that because of course they don't. Right. And then you have this incredibly moving funeral scene where of course you don't see the body, but you know, you get the actors both uh, portraying on screen that their characters are mourning and right. you can't help but feeling that the actual actors are mourning. But I've got to say, like here, I got the second half of that from some of these scenes where they were hugging, although it was digital, uh, as in a comp uh, Leia, in that it was incredibly satisfying to see Ray hug Leia. Mm-hmm. And like that was, and I, I just couldn't help. I know she obviously wasn't hugging her, but it felt like the actress would have been incredibly aware of what was going on when she was giving that performance, albeit as part of a, you know, an official effect. And the audience got to not see Leia just, hey, Leia's died in the opening scroll or, right. you know, in some kind of off-screen way. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm all in on that Leia stuff. And then, Having said that, there are a couple of shots that are a little dodgy, but yeah, I think the visual effects team generally did a spectacular job. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if we want to talk about digital Leia, the one where where Luke is talking about the training, and they comp mm-hmm. their faces in when the blast shields come up, I thought yep. Mark Hamill's, I thought Luke's comp was really good, and I thought her yeah, comp agree. was not. Well, she was CG, yeah. he wasn't, or or yeah, hers looked no, CG. No. Hers, well, hers, no, no, she was – there was no CG layer in that well, shot. She, it was, her face looked – like when I looked at it, I was like, oh, wow. They did – in my mind, I said, oh, they got a great shot of him, <coughs> excuse me, of him, but they ended up using CG of her. That's how it felt uh, when I saw it in the theater because I saw a laser IMAX nice and bright and big and sharp and, and – uh, so I'm. I mean, I'm glad they didn't use CG for that, but that one felt a little kind of floaty and weird. Um, I totally agree with you, but I'm just yeah. I mean, and I think what they might have done is relight it and tried to take footage which was actually you know from I think outtakes of uh, from '77 and and make it work and then put shadowing on it because yeah. of the helmet being around her. And there's a ton of stuff, and I don't think it was that successful. And there was one other shot when she's in the Rebel or the new Rebel compound where I first suddenly went, hang on a second, there seems to be some, not a line, but some variation between her facial region, like call it the hockey mask, and mm-hmm. her hairline. I noticed that and then discovered later that in many of those shots she had digital hair, that, that uh. they changed her hairstyle so it wasn't, even though it was the older actress footage they used right uh, but there's like a split image quality some kind of a split that you see yeah so let's say they shot that footage for the previous film they gave her a new hairstyle so it did look like right right lifted a shot from the previous film and um and there was only one shot that i went huh what's that and then later discovered it yeah i mean i think like this is given those circumstances and those shortcomings i do feel like overall i think her presence in the film visually from a visual effects standpoint is largely successful, I would yeah. concur yep. on that front. I think one of the things about this movie, though, that I think really started to, um, to me, started to suggest one of the problems that I think Disney is having with sort of taking over this Star Wars universe and trying to produce, at least in in this context, to produce a trilogy that connects to these original movies. I think one of the problems that I feel like I started to feel in this movie was you start to see how if you don't 
come up with the entire arc and yep. story for all the characters from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. When you first begin the first film, you can always have, you know, tangential sort of nuance and shifts and changes that come about as, you know, the actors kind of step into their roles. But it really did feel like there wasn't a strong plan from the very get-go with these two Agreed. filmmakers at least and then the whole production team with how they wanted to tell the story of this trilogy and it it felt like we were you know moving in one direction with the force awakens we sort of reset everything and moved in another direction with the last jedi and then in this movie you know there's sort of this you know uh, connecting to the previous film, but also trying to sort of course, maybe change directions a little bit, uh, alter the course and go into a slightly different direction. Like it seemed like uh, Abrams and and Johnson and or uh, maybe some of the other uh, story group or um, yeah, that they were sort of at, at, different, at odds with one another in well, terms of how they wanted to tell the, the overall arc for the, all these characters. And I think it makes the the trilogy less functional overall as it could have been yeah, um, rather than it could have been. Well, so the problem is, is they just quick lineage. They hired Michael Arndt who wrote Toy Story three to write and Little Miss Sunshine to write the script for episode seven. He did that. Then JJ was hired. He took an extra six months to completely rewrite the script uh, to bring in all the callbacks to the original trilogy they then hired Ryan Johnson to write the treatments for seven, for eight and nine, and then write and direct a script for eight. Then Colin Trevorrow got hired for nine, and he wrote his, he added his version to whatever Ryan must have written, and then he got fired or let go or whatever happened. And then JJ came back, and him and some other guy wrote a whole other thing based on two previous guys' things. Um, and you see in the credit, Trevorrow and Derek Connolly got their their story by credits because they must have substantially added, you know, to the story. Um, but I mean, yeah. to your point, that is that is the issue. There was no mm-hmm. Bible from the beginning that they were like, oh, well, this director yeah. left and he gave his thing. But we do have our master document in the Marvel sense where Marvel has that stuff nailed. Right? They may tweak yeah, yeah. and have directors give their spins on stuff, but they have the story arc. Otherwise, you'd never be able to get an end game. And I guess I just think, I I feel like that matters more than anything else. It it matters so much in these movies. It makes such a big difference. Yes. And, you know, if imagine a different universe where Jon Favreau had been hired to oversee the last three films. Yep, yep. Yeah, and Jon Favreau had given you Easter eggs we weren't even aware of. And, you know, like that, um, you know, the... um, you know, the map thing, the triangular yeah, you know, yeah, the the Sith, Sith uh, Wayfinder. Sith, yeah. Like if that had been established in the in the film two films ago and we'd right. kind of forgotten about it and then suddenly, oh, my God, of course, that's what that is. It's been in daylight. It's been in clear sight the whole time. And, right. You know, yeah. And if you'd had that Kevin Feige kind of, but John Farrow kind of overview mm-hmm. of the three films, I agree they would have been a, it could have been a masterpiece. But. So the only said, the only hard callback that that worked that way that you're talking about is the ship that Ray kept seeing in her flashback fly away was that other dude's ship mm-hmm. that they end up flying around in and you're like oh yeah, shit that's you, cool didn't but did you feel that the filthy junk traders thing in the last one they were just undoing a narrative mistake yeah it just felt like so yeah. contrived yeah you know 
if there's um, been some some clever way that the words weren't filthy junk trader, they've been something else, and we then realise that that spelled Sith, right, right or something. That, you know, like, we're like, oh my god, it had been there the whole time in front of our face. We yeah. didn't even notice it. Not you know what I mean. Um, um, yeah. So can I jump to one of my favorite sequences? Cause there's a, there's, there are just as a blanket, the cinematography in this movie is phenomenal. Uh, yep. like just jaw dropping the desert stuff in the burning man planet. Kajimi was stellar. Like, so like just everything, Dan Mendel just fucking blew it out of the water. Really, what uh, what stuff in particular in that sequence? I just, or I just, that? I just liked the the texture of especially mm-hmm. not not really the I'm I'm never a fan of the Ewok celebration re, redone over and over again, uh, which this. But, but which, didn't you like the gag about it? Only happens every forty two years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of exposition of like, wow, how lucky, you know. Um, no, no, no. But I mean, it was like they were referencing when Star Wars came out. Oh, uh, I didn't even get that. Okay. Uh, but, um, <laughs> see, that's, yeah. Um, uh, but I thought once they were sort of out of that scenario, um, they, uh, well, actually, sorry, prior to, during the, during the, um, they're walking through the festival and she has that, um, their force conversation with, with uh, Kylo Ren, those it happens again later when they're on the snowy World War II planet. Um, it's those sequences I thought are masterfully cut and put together when he snatches the beads off her. And then later when he's trying to figure right. out where she is and she's on the ship in his quarters and he's down on the planet yeah. and they have a lightsaber battle was phenomenal. And when, she, yeah. you know, he spins around and hits the basket of stuff and they spill out on the floor in where she is, like that whole sequence you could just take visual effects out of it. That is a pure editorial um, conceit, and and it's it's stellar. But, but production design was working really well. Like those yeah. puffs of uh, whatever that powder was that was you know like basically a a dye like a you know, yeah. paper uh, a powder dye were just so breathtakingly gorgeous in the desert that yeah you know, they that C three PO or whatever it throws up in the it's not C three PO but it's um, you know what the other droid throws up the which droid was it? Anyway, one of the droids throws up that thing on the esca- where they're trying to escape, and there's this huge puff of uh, orange. Oh right, yeah. Dio. Really, you didn't feel like up. that was so like a, a kind of a, a riff on what we'd seen in Mad Max Fury Road. You didn't feel like that the with the color. Oh, there are tons of those, but yeah. But we were discussing whether it was good cinematography and whether the production oh, okay. design it little looked good. I mean, no, yeah, they're like I rape did. and pillaging everything. Yeah. Like, I mean, because I, I would have started to. on the Goonies dagger bloody thing. Yeah, because I actually um, think I actually think that sequence that you guys are talking about just now, I actually think uh, cinematography wise, like I, I mean, maybe there's some some work in there that is, uh, you know, worthy. I'm sure there is of worthy of the praise that you guys are giving it. But I actually feel like that sequence, that chase in those two sort of skiff vehicles. Um, I feel like that is some of the weakest visual effects work in the whole movie. I think there's some great work in this film, but yeah. I feel like that sequence is one of the weakest in that the integration of the characters uh, on the vehicles into the environments, yes. the removal of the wheels under the vehicle, under those two vehicles. Oh, really? I think also, I think also the design of those vehicles is some of the least like imaginative yeah. design. 
uh, I've ever seen in a Star Wars Except uh, for the property. S- sand snowmobile vibes that hide that like launch the flying stormtroopers. I was pretty stoked. Uh, about even that, that yeah. even even I was those, pretty I excited thought, about like, that. You like the jetpack jumpstroopers? I I like no, that. I feel like there's that was so that felt to me so much like a commercial for a toy <laughs> for a kid to play with that's in a fine. way that like because I saw it, it and I was like that's cool. <laughs> and then, and then so, I also so, I also thought okay, the but, the introduction of the characters when they walk, and it's in the trailer too, when they walk into the sort of Burning Man like festival. Yeah, the the comp, the superimposition of the live action characters in the foreground, and then the set extension and the digital environment in the background, like it's so like A over B, like it looks like so many bad like like l- large vista, um, you know comps of trying to establish a place and environment it was a shot that like i was just like hey this is really like it felt schlocky and like poorly um poorly conceptualized and then poorly executed and i felt like that was that maintained to that maintained to be my impression of everything that happened uh, for through most of the rest of that sequence, maybe up until the time when uh, they crash on both vehicles and they move into the the Kylo Ren ship attack and the um, the subsequent um, departure from the planet. I was going to say, I thought that attack of Kylo Ren's ship coming at her and her like flipping and stuff that was I thought really strong. I thought that was really strong cinematography. Just yeah, I'd agree. Really bold. Yeah. It was it was superhero without being superhero stancy. Well, it was, and from a from a cinematography standpoint, the, they used a lot of long lenses in that in that sequence when they were on the mm-hmm. planet. And I thought the really long lens shot of him walking out of the burning uh, Tie Fighter was just awesome. Rock and roll. It was yeah. Great. You're just like what? Hey, but what did you think of the what did you think of the sea uh, crashed part of the Death Star? See, that's on what I was. That's what I was going to get to initially. I thought. I I was so excited to see that sequence from the trailer and from the Annie Leibovitz pictures because um, I was like, well, yeah. how are they? Fi- what are they even fighting on? Then, I, I mean, I I know the whole dagger thing. I I agree, it's a little a little weak. But and the interstellar, a little weak. And the interstellar, if you're not like happening <laughs> to be standing on exactly the right spot, it just doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the interstellar, uh, you know, giant waves thing, um, but. Once she was in the inside the piece of the Death Star, you know, that was the callback to her, you know, the beginning of Force Awakens when she's inside the Adat, um, you know, and her climbing up. And of course, the thing is right in the Emperor's throne where, you know, uh, where the Sith Wayfinder is in the other room. So, you know, they're they're in having a conversation right where vader and luke fought you know i i appreciated that they just at least went there i know it's i know it's like oh wow how what happenstance and luck but like i don't really care uh because i thought it was cool but i loved all of that i just didn't the, like the dagger the but the fight and, scene on when they get outside i loved the, yeah. i that was my favorite fight scene in the movie i think uh, and, you know, interpersonal, because you finally got to see, see two really powerful Jedis fight, doing stuff that you always want to see them doing. It's it's akin to the Vader section at the end of Rogue One. Like, you want to see them at the height of their powers, you know, dueling. Uh, the, the 
the force push on the blades where they were stopping them mm-hmm. and they were like getting blown back in the other direction. Of course, my I'm like, yeah. wait, they can do that? Why hasn't anyone done that before? But, you know, <laughs> with the waves coming and her flipping out and like the water sims were incredible. The environment was yeah, like, yeah. that was just some stellar work. Yeah. And that was a really n- well, a nicely staged yeah. sequence too. I feel like the way you kind of had a sense of place. Oh yeah, you had a sense of movement through space, and, and there wipes. was a kind of a peril. And you and it also it served to isolate those two characters from sort of the rest of the mm-hmm. cadre of of uh, her friends. Yeah, and I, I felt like that was really effective. Yeah, because no it, one and else really, has and the power it pushed to them together. Either. Yeah, yeah. What do we think of Han turning up and Han's treatment? Uh, I, I, I was, it was interesting cause you know, I assumed she was going to force project, force project, you know what I mean? Cause she dies, that gets his attention that allows Ray to get the upper hand. And then I just assumed that she was going to force project. I thought it was really interesting that he, they chose Han Solo. He's re, he's really, because he says he's a memory, he's really just saying the stuff that happened on the the, the bridge in Force Awakens. And then they end it with the line from Empire before he goes into the, into the, the carbonite. Cause he, Ben can't say, I love you. He, but he says it with his face and he just says, I know. And you were like, oh my God. <laughs> like that was, I thought that was really good writing. Uh, I, was he digital? I mean, what, what was it? Was there anything, a special, you know, visual effect with, with Harrison Ford, or was he just? Well, he was meant there? to not look like he was a Jedi, mem- uh, Jedi presence, right? So if you looked at how he was, there was kind of a different treatment on Han appearing. So it deliberately didn't look like yeah. Obi Wan's appearance and stuff. Right. But I just wondered, like having him appear. I got there was a couple of points. This is one of them where I'm a little concerned that it was a little on the nose, just in terms of just being a bit heavy-handed. The the I know was like right on the edge for me um uh, you know there are some bigger ones that i was like oh really like kind of the uh the yeah anyway i will get to it in the end fight sequences where i had those kind of moments but um yeah i I just thought the as you said the water sims and stuff were just spectacular and um and so well executed but also as matt said it just staged nicely to not see everything all the time Mm -hmm. um yeah to have people go in and out of you know, kind of the, you knew they were there and you knew what was sort of going on. You were never lost, but we couldn't see them for a plausible reason. Yeah. The environment had as much tension as, as their fight. It wasn't like they were just like in an open space fighting, you know, uh, it, it, it added, it added tension. Um, how do we feel about Ray being able to heal people? Well, it's Mandalorian, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I haven't finished that, but I I need to watch seven and eight, but but yeah, yes. it's kind of some okay. some baby Yoda powers in yeah. there. I, I mean, I don't. I feel like that kind of stuff. The Jedi powers and stuff like those. Those are things that, like, I'm. You know, whatever. Yeah. It's magic. You can do whatever you want. It's kind of a. It's yeah. sort of a Harry Potter kind of. Yeah, uh, I didn't mind it you know. per se, but um, it was a good. And I think it. Device. And I think it. It works. You know, the one thing that I think is funny though is that, like, you know, to, at the end of the film, like she she dies. And he essentially, you know, revives her by healing her, and he he kisses her, and she and, and in doing so, he gives so much of his life that she dies or that he dies. Yeah. And then I, I thought, well, 
well, now is she going to turn and like kiss him? And then like, <laughs> he's going to come back to life and she's going to die. And they, they can kind of go on. I mean, How long he, can they keep had passing die, it right? back he and was forth? A, you know? He was an intergalactic terrorist. Yeah. We couldn't have him. I mean, it was just, I mean, I always thought that was a bit of a problem with Vader, right? It's like, yeah, we killed all these people, but you know, don't mind about him. We've killed millions of people, but hey, I've made up with my son. Oh, okay. Well, and so, he, be- he becomes Vader, too, in the sense that that was the thing that he really, in the first movie anyway, that was the thing that was he really wanted to be. He, he idolized his grandfather yeah. or whatever, and he wanted to be Vader. And even in his final turn, like becoming sort of, you know, good, like as Vader does, too. It's mm-hmm. like, but how good is Vader? Like Vader was such a dick, you know, the whole yeah. time he was alive. And so, and same with Kylo Ren, like, but he sort of does become good in, in sacrificing himself. Yeah or this greater good or whatever. So it kind of, he, he follows the on, same story mirror, you know? Yeah. What I'm saying about on the nose stuff is like when he's knocked off in that fight sequence at the end, and then you have this shot of the ledge and then the hand comes up and bang, it's there. And I felt like we're just going heavy handed on the kind of emotional, like it was an, ob- there was some obvious staging that was very dramatic and very obviously going to happen. Um, and I mimicked that before it happened on screen. I was sitting next to someone and I literally did the hand motion and then on screen I did exactly the same thing right after it. It was so obvious exactly how that was going to look like from just the framing and yeah. the setup. And the, yeah. So it was a bit, I thought it was a little heavy hand on the nose. There's a couple of points, like for example, when they go, um, you know, no one's turned up to help us and then suddenly everybody's turned up yeah, in one right. go and everybody looks different. And it was like, yeah, really? Like, you can get anyone supporting you before, no one turns up, and then suddenly absolutely everyone in the galaxy turns up in one whack. I mean, I can't get everybody to turn up for dinner at the same time, right? <laughs> get alone. Much less at and light then, speed. Yeah, and then the whole, it's really hard to get there, and you need a Sith flash drive, but if you just hang around outside with the Millennium Falcon, you can tell all of these ships simultaneously exactly how to get there, and they can all get there at once, even though we've already established it's a corridor that's kind of narrow enough that the you know Millennium Falcon right. struggles to get through it. Those are the sort of like, yeah, it's just – now, is it a – I mean, I rem, you know that scene in Terminator where he goes, the police are here, and he goes, how many? He goes, all of them. Like, I mean, right. I do find that a funny gag, right? Like, But having said that, it was one of those moments where you go, well, clearly this is a chance to show off every uh, ship. And, you know, the Mandalorian ship was in there and everybody yeah. else's ship was in there from every other, you know, conceivable. Mm-hmm. And I get that. Well, it's the, it's the same it's, scene too that's at the um, – at the end of Ready Player One, in a way, where it's like everybody yeah. shows up at the end to yeah. sort of save the day, yeah. and you know, it's a it's a great sort of you know egalitarian yeah. kind of message for the kids. Uh, yeah, engaged, participatory yeah. sort of um, you know we have to team up to sort of fight the big bad bullies or whatever, which is kind of a, a nice message, but it does feel yeah, it's it's a, it's so convenient. Uh, yeah. as to be almost uh, laughable, like, uh, in some ways. Can I also just call out Richard E. Grant? Because that was amazing. That that uh, not only was Richard E. Grant in the movie, but apparently he's been serving Palpatine for a really long time, which I thought was awesome. <laughs> um, here's something I wanted to ask you about in terms of visual effects. So, so there was use of... Uh, very good use, I guess, in some places of actual practical puppetry mm-hmm. slash yeah. miniatures Bob, and stuff. Babu Frick, Babu Frick was the best puppet. But but the one that I thought was sort of least successful was the, and it, it reminded me the healing um, snake, snake thing. Yeah. That. Oh yeah. 
where I was like, really? Like, it just felt like we were doing this because we wanted to be able to say in a press release that we did it with practical, where in no way did I think that if that had been done by a visual effects team today, you'd do it a final. Was you'd that practical? Like, yeah, as far didn't, as I know. That, didn't, the, really the even, parts of it. didn't even look practical. It looked, I, thought it was, I thought it was digital. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, whatever it was. Okay, so maybe I'm wrong. I, I mean, I, it could I be know. just that we all expect to see a giant snake be digital, so you don't even think that he's yeah. that it's practical. I mean, there might have been practical I, parts where she puts her hand on it. Maybe that's you know a big piece of real snake. You know, I don't know. I just felt that that was an whether digital or real. I thought it was an unsuccessful special or visual effect. It just felt to me very kind of. It's like how do we show how she can heal people? I don't know. There's a thorn in the cat's paw. You know, like it's the same. Well, that, but, but if you're going to do it, do it visually in a different way. Yeah. Uh, it was just very kind of like, you know, hey, big guy, the sun's yeah. low in the sky. Let me just calm you down and, and mm-hmm. help you. Um, well, and even to your point, the, they, you know, uh, um, Poe and, and Finn go, she can, heal pe- she can heal people now? I guess she can heal people now. Like even the characters were like, wait, we can do this now? Like, you know what I mean? It was a, it was a bit of a like tell insider tell where they're like all right we get it we're just just leave us alone we're, we just got to put this in here let me ask you this yeah. matt you're in charge of this film you're, you're at control both directorially and writing would you have put baby yoda in it uh mm, no okay would you jason would you i <laughs> i don't I don't, well, to your story point, they probably didn't even know Baby Yoda existed because they never talked about it. No, 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 no. But, but I mean, just imagine, you know, you're not. Um, I don't. Because the internet would have, I think, gone and just. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's necessary because it's not really, even, even the original trilogy, Yoda was just a piece in the larger puzzle. He wasn't like. Uh, I mean, he feels like a main character because he's Yoda, because he's iconic, but but I don't, you know, it's still a Skywalker thing. Um, I I initially thought it would be awesome if they had him in the background, and then I completely changed my mind and said, the thing that I like about The Mandalorian is how slow it is and mm-hmm. how the pacing isn't like this film. Yeah. And I would have felt like it was, um, it was just uh, wrong to milk it and make it not be as special and unique as it is yeah but, i agree um, i that's i think that's a good reasoning yeah. for not doing it like because mm-hmm. it, it would be like hey we've got to have the kitchen sink and hey another kitchen sink you know it's yeah like they can't yeah. not do everything and so it was kind of nice to not have that and i and i think you know maybe uh babu frick uh the little uh uh sort of cyber mechanic guy winds up uh, filling that role because yeah. he's kind of the the baby Yoda scale yeah. puppet. He was amazing. The as show. soon as they cut to him, as soon as they cut over, like oh, Babu, Babu, and they cut over him, and there's a little tiny guy being like, eh, "Let me tell you, that blue." I was like, "That's the dude. That's the fucking guy." <laughs> and then later, when when Carrie Russell's character flies by and he kind of pops up, like, "Hey, you're like, yes." <laughs> like you know, we can, were all like, "Somebody oh, there help he me is. with yes." Can somebody help me with a problem? I thought we were getting perilously close to a Me Too moment when Landau hits on the 20-year-old, unless that was his daughter, but I don't think it was. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't. you know, yeah, let's find what out. Was, was he just about? saying, like, I want, <laughs> I'm ready to get back out there? 
Like I didn't, I wasn't. I mean, it's like, hey, come up and see my action sometime in yeah, space. I think, I, I totally agree. Like I had the exact same, like there's something about uh, Billy D. Williams and the sort of Colt 45 yeah. works every time <laughs> kind of vibe that like you, he sounds so like sort of skeevy in the way that he's sort of talking to well, even on Kajimi, anything. Even on Kajimi, yeah, he he's like, give the princess my baby. love. You know, you're like, oh, yeah. Boy. And, yeah. And, <laughs> and I, but I, but I don't think that's how that line is intended yeah. in that scene in the, in the well, film. What is because it? The, I mean, I think the intention exactly... is, I think the intention is like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get back out and have more adventures. Like I'm happy to help you go figure stuff out. So well, he's I, mentoring I actually, her? Or actually, she's no, I think it's more than him? that. I actually, I actually think in the script, I think it's, it's in, uh, that's where one where area where I felt like the script made sense. Like the, the whole sort of theme of, at least of this movie and maybe of the first movie too uh, in this trilogy is it's all about like your sense of identity, right? Like, right. and, and your, and where you come from and are you a product of where you come from or are you a product of like what you choose to do? Like, is it sort of, um, pre Nature predestined Nature yeah, or, nurture. and I, and You're I think that's kind family, of a, yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of like the overarching theme of the story, which I actually I actually really like that. I think that's really powerful. It's it's really resonant. And I think the the suggestion with Billy D Williams in that scene with that that character that um we meet earlier with um uh the John Boyega character. Yeah, she's an ex I think trooper, she yeah. she's all yeah, she shares his background. She doesn't know really much about where she's from. She was enslaved at an early age. And I think that that that's almost like a uh, a friendly uh, kind of parental kind of suggestion of help rather than like uh, maybe a, a Me Too movement kind of second. Well, no, that's what I meant. Sexual. That's what I meant. Yeah. He's like ready. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm ready to help you. Like, let's get out there and figure okay, it out. Okay, but in in stark contrast to that, which I felt like just uh, it was just weird. I thought the kid with the broom was magnificent. Like that's. You know when the kids doing the sweeping and oh, mm-hmm. at the end of Last of, Jedi, that just I agree. that kind of I, thing is that that's good. I find this one with Lando, I just didn't understand it. The like, only thing like, give about me those the, little things. The kid with the broom, yeah. like on a story point and as a universe sort of point, like about that anyone can have the force and anyone ha- can can sort of tap into that sort of uh, potential. That's such a beautiful and sort of perfect sentiment. The only thing about that kid with the broom stuff in that last movie is that shot is so poorly conceived and poorly designed and poorly composite. It's very Peter Panny. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of, it takes away from the mat. It doesn't have the majesty of, I think what they go for with, you know, sort of the twin son kind of mm-hmm. shot at the close of this movie. Yeah. It doesn't have that kind of, epic Star Wars quality. It has this really small kind of like clunky, I don't know. It, it, yes. it was, it's, okay, it, it's a big idea poorly executed, but I, I totally concur with you that it's an important idea in the scope of this sort of, because I think otherwise you get into the Clintons versus the Bushes, right? Where it's like the destinies of two families. Yeah. The dynastic I think it's great. aspects. Yeah. Unless you happen to be one of these incredibly influential families, you just get wiped out in their, in this, you know, mega battles. I thought, I thought her picking Skywalker as a name was so inclusive to, to many people that would be watching this film 
you know, that you don't have to be born into it kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I thought you that can was choose a, who you want to be. Yeah. 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 It's not but, all, it's um, not all destiny and it's not all laid out before you. Did you guys think, feel like, I felt like once Palpatine got a bit of the, bit of the Ray and Ren juice, you know, when he, uh, when he was taking their life force a little bit, um, that they went back to the monkey eyes on him. Cause remember in the original <laughs> trilogy and the original theatrical, he had monkey eyes, uh, because they wanted to oh, look all the, weird. The, 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 the weird emperor. sort of puppet makeup thing they did in yeah. the hologram. And yeah. Empire. I think it was like, I think they literally superimposed monkey eyes on him and then they mm-hmm. later got rid of it. But I feel like they kind of, paid homage to that very slightly because his eyes got all super weird and orangey and big. Um, I didn't notice that. But um, what did we think of Exegol, which is very close to exposition uh, in its name, but (laughs) with the big cube, um, lightning cube. I personally thought the environment, once they got into like the hall of the Sith, and the Sith throne, uh, I really like the look of the Sith throne. Um, and and once they revealed that he was on this big giant technocrane arm, you know, alien um, yeah. crane arm. But don't that you was, think that what? But that has the so that has this majestic quality about it. But again, I feel like the plot just was heavy handed. In there are all these dudes sitting around who are presumably evil mothers. And they all get wiped out in one. You know, I, see, I got event, that they were spirits. And suddenly, every single one dies. Well, no, I got oh, really? that they was like the spirits of the Sith. Like he didn't make a gajillion Sith. That was like sort of the Sith lair where they all their spirits because oh. they had the big Lord of the Rings, you know, like statues of the Sith and everything. It felt to me like it was like he was residing in the underbelly, sort of, you know, Sith, sort of the energy of the Sith. That's what it felt. I was That's what it felt for, like to me. For them all to jump out of the stadium and us to have, you know, in uh, episode, I'm going to say three, uh, when they had that big kind of arena battle and Yoda turns up with the stormtroopers. Like I thought we were going to have all of everybody come down in and have like a mega fight on the floor. Yeah, that was suddenly, the end of two. I think that was in two. Yeah, two. Okay, but anyway, you know what I mean? Like, and then suddenly they were all gone, and I was like, what happened to all the people that were watching? Yeah, you know, why didn't they help? That actually would have been a much more interesting sort of, you know, third prong to the sort of closing uh, sequence rather than yet again another giant space battle against, you know, an armada of hundreds of super Star Destroyer-type weapons, um, which, you know... (laughs) That, I mean, I think that that was the other thing I was going to ask actually about was about the um, the that whole sequence, the space battle and the super star destroyer stuff. I think from a visual the effects standpoint, the horses on the the horses on the ship one, and the horses the on the ship as well as the the spaceships fighting each other. Yeah, that just sort of that yeah, I mean, sort I, of genre. I felt sorry for era. the horses. It felt sorry for the horses. Well, yeah, they, I don't see how they were going to survive the, the ship tipping up. <laughs> Um, um, very true. At least they didn't have another Death Star, right? Like yes. if they'd had a Death Star, another Death Star that required somebody to go in and blow it up with one clever shot at the right place, I would have literally walked out of the cinema. Well, except that they did have, though, instead they had a hundred, 
you know, plus Death Star. Yeah, but they like every have ship this is a Death big Star. thing with one ship that goes in, that does the run, that goes in and manages to fire the killer shot. That you know, the like whoever designs these things just <laughs> you know. I, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, actually, but it's I, yeah, uh, I mean, they it's, they tell you who designed it in Rogue One. That's true. Um. Okay, there's something else you could help me with, just because I it's my curiosity. I just can't stop. What the heck was all the, I need to tell you something, Ray. What is it? Not now. I'll tell you later. It's really important. Okay. It's not important. Don't worry about it. It's that he's, he's, he's force. Uh, yeah, he's got the force. force like sensitive. he feels the force. Yeah. That's what it is. Not that he's yeah. in love with her or. No. That, and does he say that at some point? Did I miss that? How no, do you know he, that? because he reacts to um, something happens to Ray and he reacts to it. Um, there's yeah, multiple. He, there's multiple moments. Multiple where moments. He, are, yeah. Yeah. He, he but, senses things. But is that what he wanted and, to tell her? Yeah, I and that's so. why he knows which ships. Sometimes he'll be like, "It's that ship." It's because he oh, has. I'm, the, I'm with you on him having the force stuff, but yeah. I thought it was the whole, you know, uh, he's my brother kind of reveal thing that was somehow cut in editorial. You know, when Leia goes, yeah. "No, no, 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 he's my brother." Yeah, I don't think so. I, I mean, I, just, I, I, I didn't have that confusion i sort of felt like it was clear that that's what he wanted to tell her and i actually saw that piece uh that he that finn was uh that that finn had the force as being a touchstone moment back to that broom kid thing like yeah. you know if the broom kid has the force like finn also has the force like you know it's that it's not yeah. the uh you know, the Bushes and the Clintons or whatever, or the Palpatines yeah, and the Skywalkers. Yeah. Like the Obamas it is any, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also the fact that the fact that he, see that, that rung true for me because he didn't kill people in number seven when we first introduced it to him. He, yeah. he changed his destiny. That all felt to me like, you know, why was he so different than every other stormtrooper that didn't have trouble sort of killing people? Um and that, so I thought that was great. I just was, I didn't, I mean, you know, I just must be stupid. I just didn't connect that that's what the big secret was that she, he didn't tell because I was kind of waiting for that to pay off somehow. I think a bigger problem is that, you know, he and the, the woman that he meets uh, who they wind up riding horses together yeah. on the on the Star Destroyer, they're both ex-stormtroopers who mm-hmm. decide that that's not a life they want. But yet, and so they talk about how they were both enslaved and they didn't know who their parents were, but then they have no problem whatsoever like just, you know, murdering like left and right, all these other, you know, enslaved stormtroopers. I feel like a, a more interesting plot line for that character would have been for him to uh, sort of free the stormtroopers to, to sort of, you know, uh, liberate all these enslaved characters. Like that would have been a really interesting and powerful I think uh, narrative thread I think through the course of those films. I think they could have written a line on that because you're always going to have the the... The I was just doing what I was told, you know, uh, uh, military defense person, right? <laughs> uh, soldier. Yeah. So it's like you could have that, but you could you they could have had you know some stormtroopers like throw their weapons down and take their helmets off and like you know maybe maybe or maybe turn and fire on other storm. You you could have had a few scene, you know, a few moments of that in that and ending battle to sort of suggest that. I don't know if you could go. Like the whole yeah. way. No, that's but. a good point. That, I think you make a good point. Like that, the, to have something more even-handed would have made more sense. But I actually feel like that would have been a more powerful yeah. message in keeping with sort of the larger message. I think that these films are trying to convey that there is, you know, that you do have 
agency that you do have the mm-hmm. opportunity to make a choice uh, in how you, if you want to go one way or another, yeah. so to speak, in terms of good and evil. Um, Can I sum up that I think the film's visual effects are like really, really good. Like we picked up some of them, but I think they're really, really good. It just, for me, the only thing that stopped the film being great is that some of these moments, like the fact that they gave um, the medal to Chewie at the end was just like so kind of contrived, like why they happen to have a medal. And like, I know why they're well, giving him the medal. I well, get Leia it, had but it. it's no, but it just felt like, you know, like we're just, you know, we're, it was just, it was like an in joke that. Well, I, that I got just, that it was Han's medal. Because he didn't. I, I just felt like it but, was all just like. Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, it's totally it felt like yeah. yeah, too much fan service. It's definitely, kind of I mean, yeah, you know, the, I it, mean, the other one is the other one is erasing C three PO's memories, so you can just have him say all the shit he said in in New Hope and make it have a reason. At least there was a plot point for that. Like, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is, if they had that medal had somehow been you know, the thing that was hanging off the Millennium Falcons, you know, rearview mirror or something. And so it was finally given to Chewie, you know, like just something that had been set up in advance, but it was like, wait a second, I got an idea. Quick, someone go get a medal and we can put it on Chewie at the end sequence. Yeah. It just, it just, it feels a little lazy in those constructions. You yeah. didn't earn the right to have that. However, you have to kind of earn those however, things for me to really embrace them. However, Chewie was really excited about it. You know, at least yeah. he was very, he, he enjoyed Actually, it. Well, that, that's nice. I guess I feel like it treated that character as if he was kind of a dope, though. Like he's like this dopey yeah. dog, and you throw him a biscuit, and he's like super happy exactly. to get this biscuit, you know. And it's like that's not the character that uh, was established. Give him the friggin' Millennium but, Falcon, and you know, make him a general. Like, but yeah, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> did you did you feel anyway. for Chewie when he fell on his knees and was crying or yet you know screaming about Leia? Uh, yeah, a little, I, I still guess. hadn't recovered from the fact that nobody consoled him when Han died. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but uh, he was but in the middle of a battle at that point. But yeah, go ahead. The the visual effects like were stunning. The environment work was stunning. Like uh, it was, you know, like some of the fluid sims were just off the dial, off the dial good. So I don't want to give the impression that. And and I really liked the film. Yeah, for me, it was just. A, very well articulated by uh, Matt earlier in this in the show when he said it just didn't feel like this was a an earned proposition with all the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle mm-hmm. coming together. Sure, and you saw that it had been there all the time, and oh my god, that's so clever! And and you know they can do that in Doctor Who for crying out loud. So you know they should be able to do it in Star Wars, and I guess it just makes me appreciate that they managed to pull it off in Marvel. Yeah, but we could have been sitting here talking about a a really tragic moment in cinema where, you know, it was, it was, look what happens when you, you know, I mean, it wasn't like that. It wasn't, this was the thing that no. made you want to stop caring. But I mean, but I, I have friends, I have friends who absolutely hated this film and consider Last Jedi the end of the nonology. I can't, I can't, I can't speak to your I, choices in friends. Mike. I, is, I, uh, I can't either. I, I, I have doubted East them. East Coast thing. I have doubted them since. Yeah. But, you need to uh, question some of the choices you've made with but, yeah. friendships you have um, in life. But uh, I think it's a I think it's a tall order. I guess I, I just feel like with these movies, I, I remember thinking this when they were making when George Lucas himself was making the Phantom Menace uh, episode one. 
um, I remember thinking at one point and talking to some friends at work and I was saying how, you know, I think that I, I felt like this was that when he was making episode one, it was really like the most historic opportunity that any artist had had in many generations to go out and create something that would be seen by, you know, hundreds of millions of people from all different cultures all over the world and to say something. And what he chose to say, I think, in that movie wasn't much. And I think you could say the same of this trilogy and that I think this was, again, another opportunity to really communicate something on a grand scale that was really profound and powerful and that the the team leading uh, the charge with these movies, in my opinion, failed to rise to the occasion to communicate anything of any really grand consequence. Like they made an entertaining product, um, a consumer product, but they didn't make something that was like in the end, like great art or, uh, uh, or adds or added much to, um, you know, the, the cultural and historical and sort of spiritual dialogue of, you know, the human race. Like, and I think that was an opportunity that they had. That's a big ask, but I don't think they came close really. Yeah. I, I would just simply say that, uh, I was so worried that this was going to be, you know, ripping my childhood apart. Mm-hmm. That the fact that they managed to not screw it up and produce something that I found to be a really enjoyable experience in the cinema. And yes, there are some, you know, weird plot points and logic that I don't totally buy into. But on the whole, given where we were, like I think your point is is that that mistake was made two films ago, or at least one film ago. But certainly, if you were starting from where the filmmakers were starting for for this film. They they went very very well, but your point is really valid. Um, but I just feel this, like this movie's have... yeah I, I agree with you. I mean this movie's like good Chinese food, right? Like <laughs> it yeah. tastes amazing, but like right after you finish it, you feel like you're hungry again. You know exactly. Yeah. Hey, I am being called uh, to go to a meeting, so I'm going to have to beg off. And uh, obviously, you guys can keep going, but uh, I have to apologize. But uh, there are people texting me like crazy as we speak. Going, Why You've got to you? get to the luau. Yeah. I, I, okay, it's an award ceremony. It just happens to also be at a luau. But, um, well, Mike, congratulations and, yeah. uh, and have a great time. Absolutely. So you guys, by all means, keep going. But uh, I will say thank you. And so much uh, thanks to everybody who um, like puts this together. But in particular, you, Matt, for doing the editing on the show and stuff. I, I mean, we don't thank you enough for doing all that work. So thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Sure thing. Pleasure. All right, Mike. Take care. See you guys later. Later, Mike. Bye. All right, cool. So, Jason, the one thing I I actually have to say, and I'm so curious how you feel about this before we uh, kick off here, is um, what's up? Like, how come R2-D2, one of the most, like, beloved characters in all of the Star Wars universe, like, he's not in really any of these movies. What's up with that? That's true. Um, it's interesting. I don't know if it's like because he's Luke's boy and he's like, you know, yo, Luke's not around. I don't know, you know, what am I going to do? Uh, I guess 3PO is also we wind up Luke's with, guy. We wind up with BB-8 and... Yeah, uh, I like BB-8. This new, the new little Dio, robot. Yeah, the- Dio, voiced by J.J. Abrams himself. Uh, who felt not like kind Ronnie of... Ronnie James Dio. Yeah, jeez, <laughs> that would be amazing. I might have to do that, like just comp in Dio talking. And he's like, oh, what's your name? Dio, you know. <laughs> 
you know, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, he he plays the pivotal part in Force Awakens where he's, you know, has been in hibernation because he's basically bummed that Luke, you know, um, went into hiding. And then he's like, oh, yeah, wait, shit, I got some information. Hold on. I forgot. I was napping. Right. Um, <laughs> he's, I don't really know what he does in Last Jedi. I can't remember. Um, yeah, exactly. And then he's in <laughs> Poe's ship, though, in this one. Right. Right? Yeah. So Poe's yeah. like sort of taking him over. But yeah, you're right. He doesn't do much. He sort of hangs out with Leia. Yeah. Which uh, I guess I just thought that was weird. Like he was always such a kind of an interesting uh, character. Yeah. There was a, there was kind of a, I remember a thing I read a long time ago where they talked about uh, this, the original Star Wars trilogy and how uh, one of the things Lucas had talked about was make, if he ever made all these other films, was that uh, the two characters who would be consistent throughout would be C-3PO and R2-D2. Right. And they would sort of function as uh, the two characters, I believe, in uh, Hidden, Hidden Fortress, Fortress, right? Yeah. The, mm-hmm. yeah, and that they would be sort of the storytellers throughout and sort of the comic relief or whatever, which they obviously served yeah. as. Um, and I think it was kind of... Uh, I feel like that was kind of a neat idea and you could, you could even see, you know, having a, a series on Disney plus that was sort yeah. of the adventures of C3PO and R2D2 and they, it could be their adventures before any of this stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could have been really interesting too. And I sort of feel like having that duo, uh, right. breaking that duo up is kind of a, a missed, um, opportunity for other mm-hmm. kinds of stories that could, well, have you, well, you kind of know their story, at least as far as um, as you know, R two is with Obi Wan and C three PO was built by Anakin. They meet in Phantom Menace, and then and then you know basically uh, the two of them end up with Leia once the kids right, yeah, are I guess born. That, you know I hadn't I mean? thought so, about that. I guess yeah, like they kind of tell that whole story. Yeah, the, and then uh, they're prequels. and then they're around, and that's why they sort of play the moment with. 3PO where, where he's, you know, they're about to, to wipe his brain and he goes, can I have a moment to just have one last look, you know, and you're like, oh shit, like, you know, it's, it's, I thought it was a good emotional moment. And then Babu Frick just, you know, cuts the wire and does the thing. Um, but. So what would you say in this, in this film, what would you say, like thinking about it, what was like the, the best uh, visual effects moment in the film? Is there anything in particular that really stuck out to you? I'm trying to think. I, I, I mean, I really, really liked the water fight. Like it just, yeah, it was just so like we, which you've already gone over why, but it was just, it had so much emotion and visual, um, you know, pizzazz. That it just and it really it just, felt like it was it was servicing the story. Yeah, it was like the characters. It, it felt like like this is this one hundred percent belongs in a Star Wars movie. Like this is not shoehorned. It's earned. It's like this should be happening right now. Totally uh, agree. Um, I did also happen to like the ending sort of speech. Uh, it wasn't really a fight, but the ending speech kind of section with the with Palpatine, where he's talking to Ray and and Ben shows up and he takes their life force. I kind of liked the effect of him pulling their life force out like that, like the heavy wind, and then and how his hands grew back 
And then they kept going to that mm. high sort of three-quarter wide off to his right. Yep. Like you, where you could see the arm holding him up and you, and then the, the roof opened and they sort of played out, you know, Jedi again, you know, where he's like, look at your friends, you know, and where like in the, in Jedi he says your, your pitiful band, which we always wanted to use as the opening to uh, one of our <laughs> records. Um, but, uh, you know, it's essentially, you know, I thought that, and he even says it. You know, as I once fell, now so shall you. And he throws right. him down the thing. Like all that was, I thought was really nice. Um, but I thought the the when he did the force lightning and they did that upshot, like they kind of or they kind of came down and you saw it going up and out uh, into this into, into the, this into the this, battle in yeah, the sky. Right. I mm-hmm. thought that was phenomenal. Like it gave scale. It gave power. It gave like just a dude with lightning shooting out of his hands. And yeah. and it it didn't feel like it didn't feel like just a dude shooting lightning out of his hands. If like it worked emotionally, it's dark. That's the only light that's really emanating. You know, super bright. Um, I, it, the environment work I thought in particular, you know, it's dusty and cracked and dirty, and you know, uh, it, it all worked for me. I don't know if I like the Snoke's in the big test tube things so much, but uh, I mean, it makes sense. That, you know, what he, did you think of the um, of the the? I think that's a those are great choices. I would totally concur on the 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 wave crashing lightsaber battle. I think yeah. that stuff was just totally top shelf visual effects wise. The the water sims and and even the environment and sort of the sense of uh, place, the compositing mm-hmm. in that uh, sequence also I thought was just totally excellent. What did you think of um, the very last shot in the film, the sort of callback to the the twin sons? I mean, I, once I realized they were going there, I was like, I'm, I, I'll, I'll take it, right? Like I got, I thought it was great that they, you know, the, you know, it's a, it's, it is pure fan service, one million percent, and story point. She's going back to where it all started for Luke. To even though Leia never lived there, he put their their, you know, sabers together there, you know, she slides down. So she has her sort of little, you know, thing from Force Awakens, but everyone gets to see the old homestead, you know, totally overgrown and her with BB-8 BB- instead of, instead of hit, like I- And they, they shot it in a different kind of way than the original Twin yeah. Sons in that it's got, I think it's what a really, is it a really long lens with like it's sort of super that long lens. and Yeah, it's super long lens, like the compression, you know, to get the, the sun so the big and, and the haze and everything, you get BB-8, you know, and it's right after she calls. I wonder if that Skywalker. really is like a super long lens thing, or if it's like—I mean, it's got to be a comp, right? Because like, well, it's a comp ice. for the sun, at least for one of the suns, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But that's um, to me that feels like it's like a four hundred mil anamorphic. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. To, you can't. It would seem like if you were on set, you're like, well, we're in the desert. Should we comp in all the haze and everything, or should we just re- use a really long lens? To at least and get get as far as we can, shoot it, and then um, whatever. Well, it looked more like the last shot of THX eleven thirty eight when True. Uh, Robert Duvall yeah. comes up into the sun than it yep. did. Yeah, yeah, that was Facts. the other thing I thought of seeing. Yeah. It. I thought it was cool. I mean, I think that was one of those things that it's a nice bookend. I think mm-hmm. you know, I'd be curious to hear 
you know, uh, if, if what kind of visual effect shot that was in terms of compositor, is it like a totally digital background or, you know, just, and it was all that stuff added. I mean, really, or is some of that in camera. Really, if you, if you were there and you planned it, you could shoot both the non-sunset sun higher in the sky, keep the, you know, lock off camera. And then not that they obviously don't have tools to match plates, but Right. Uh, and then you shoot the actual shot at actual magic hour with the sun setting and you just comp in the, you know, the less set sun and you're kind of done. Uh, I feel like I mean? those are the kind of visual, like stylistic visual things that like when you see them in, in a movie like this, they stand out because they're so different. The aesthetic yeah. is so different. Yeah. And they did do a couple really long lens shots. I remember of like the Millennium Falcon, there's a scene on... Jakku, I guess, during that initial chase where they shot some really long lens stuff. Oh, in, in Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. Oh, yeah. There's a yeah. ton of like pursuit. It's like pursuit vehicle with long lens. And I think that kind of like that kind of camera work in the visual effects camera work when they do that kind of stuff in these films, actually, I think it elevates both the visual effects as Agreed. well as the sort of the cinema, the language of cinema in a yeah. way that they don't do it enough maybe maybe if you did it more maybe it would start to feel kind of gimmicky and and corny but it it really feels like it gives it a a style that mm -hmm. um makes it feel really different and and both modern well at the same time kind of um kind of more traditional too it it puts it more in the in a in a language of cinema rather than a language right. of uh commercial bit blockbuster visual yeah. effects movie well they do it again it's a slightly different shot but when ray's like you know, you guys get the ship going when they're on Kajimi on whatever that guy's ship's name. I forgot his name. Um, they and she goes and walks out into the desert because she feels something, and it's basically you know, right? Whatever they they do that really long lens shot through the blinds of his where he, ship where he looks. Yeah, he yeah. looks out towards her. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah, and you're like 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 that. That's why. And it's sort of those shots that that I really liked. Uh, uh, you know. Uh, in the cinematography of that sequence, I agree with you in in sort of you know the they make the world feel the, really big too because yeah. it makes it feel like that's a natural real thing that's yeah. happening and she's you, really far away to see something yeah mm -hmm. um, which well, then ties into the there's a bunch of long lens stuff in that sequence once Kylo Ren shows up I thought they built that thing up really well like Mike had said yeah um, and I really liked I know we didn't talk about this but. I really liked their sort of force battle over the shuttle. Like that didn't feel. Oh yeah. The, yeah. the shuttle felt like it was being moved. Like it felt like it had weight. It's obviously a visual effect. Like we all know that it's not spaceship, mm -hmm. but like in the realm of the movie, it felt like they were like, you're, you're getting a taste of what you're going to see later on the, in the battle between them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And then it and told then, us so much about the two characters. Yeah. Too. It really and served then, a, key point. Yeah. And then of course her force lightning, which completely freaks her out and makes her think she killed Chewie is a great, you know, two great story points. And even Kylo Ren's like, whoa, what, what the yeah, fuck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> Although I did totally. like later, he had a really good, Adam Driver had a really good subtle reaction when, when she says, uh, Palpatine says to her at the end, put your lightsaber away and, or, you know, strike me down and, you know, blah, 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 and I'll enter you. And she puts the lightsaber behind her and then he grabs it from behind him mm -hmm. uh, to fight the Knights of Ren. 
and he grabs the lightsaber. Yeah. He puts it down at his side and he kind of tips his head in his hands and goes like, eh? Like he's literally like, <laughs> is, he's just kind of like, ha And I was like, wow, that's like a super bold choice. It's so subtle, but he must have done it as a joke or something. I mean, it's possible it was in the direction, but it feels like an actor's choice. That was like, eh, and they were yeah. like, and they were like, it seems dude. like a Keanu Reeves kind of thing to do. Yeah, yeah, they were yeah. like, it was like <laughs> you know, Indy shooting the guy with the sword, you know, like, um, and uh, but that does bring up while the Knights of Ren looked super cool and badass, they did nothing, right? They yeah. had, they yeah. had, and this is to your long lens thing. They had a helicopter, super long lens helicopter shot. When they get oh, to the right. desert when they're plant, they're on, on the, they're on the plateau and they do cliff. that huge yeah. rotating shot, which looks amazing. Super but, cool. But yeah. then like nothing happened. Like they don't do anything. Like they don't roust anybody. They don't, all they do is fight him and then he beats them all up because he can, obviously. Like it was just weird. And also the, what was with the, I, I kind of like the monkey uh, blacksmith that like fixes mm. his helmet. And it was, it made me think of the Mandalorian section where they do the, the blacksmith yeah, thing. Yeah. But it was kind of weird that it was a monkey. It was like legitimately yeah, it was weird, just right? He looked a like a character straight out of yeah. Planet of the Apes or something. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, uh, okay, I guess we're using monkeys now to build stuff. <laughs> <laughs> sure, whatever, it works. Yeah. Well, so um, any, any other parting thoughts about this film? Overall, I think, to your point, the weakest visual effects were sort of the, the background comps, like when they were riding the horses on the ship uh, or the, um, well, for some of it, cause I know some of that was practical, but, um, some of them, some of them are good. Like, but the ones from the side, from, yeah, the when side they show ones, it from the side, those are, they're not as strong as like, there's some that are kind of from above, like yeah, yeah, kind they, of looking it, down. The yeah, feels a little some of those planer. are better. Yeah. It feels a little yeah. plainer when they're just in profile, which, which is pretty totally much agree. you're, it's like a little bit of a front quarter when they're in, when they're on Kajimi having the skiff chase. Um, yeah, uh, those are the shots I think that were yeah, the toughest. The background sure. was like it didn't; it felt too bright, like it felt rear projectiony. Uh, yeah, to me, yeah. it just felt it felt compy. You yeah, know, it felt like A over B kind of like there's yeah. like some edge fidelity and like the the hardness of the light. I know that uh, a lot of that stuff was shot actually on location where they made vehicles. You know, yeah, they actually drove. Oh, I'm sure through that yeah. environment, but yeah. Yeah, some they of must the have had to change the background for click. you know for speed and other you know for like making it look they're they're going faster and whatever. Um, but I did. So those were really my only like things that you were like, mm, you know. Um, there was a ton of practical stuff like Luke's ship coming out of the water. Uh, mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. that that was a real practical X-wing. Um, I was looking at. I came across uh, or in my Instagram feed, Dan Mendel the the DP, he posted, a, he po- been posting a bunch of stuff. And my brother sent me one where it's the giant green screen stage where one whole side of it and the floor is the side of the Super Star Destroyer where they ride their, ride the horses. Yep. And so yep. it's that, all that shit built out. And, and he literally said in the thing, um, I forget exact words, but he basically says that it took them months, uses the word months in caps to say that it took them months to rig the lighting and build the rigging. And you're just like, hmm. holy wow. shit. Like you literally had a team of riggers 
for um for months to light to build and light that, which is crazy. I mean, it's obviously yeah. it's necessary, but <laughs> if you want to do stuff practically and you want it to be big, you got to light it. But and it's got to be a single light source because you're in space. So uh, it has to be these big giant, you know, slidey lights. But um, uh, the, the, the absolute scale of the production is mind boggling. Like, yeah, as much as I think I would have fun making that movie, I, there's no fucking way I could make that movie. And, and which is, yeah, I mean, it seems obviously, like it would be a, I have a brutal undertaking. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know, obviously, J.J. Abrams is an incredibly skilled and and experienced director. Outside of what I think of some of his movies, he obviously knows what he's doing. His choices might be questionable in plot or whatever, but he's clearly skilled at what he does. I mean, that's there's no denying that. Yeah, um, you know, any band records that I don't like is not because they're not competent at their instruments. I just don't like the songs they write. But they're you can't right. you can't say they don't know how to play their instruments. Well, so, and there's clearly like an incredible team of people yeah. like, you know, yeah. on, on the above the line credits, but also like, you know, all the different whether at, at ILM or any yeah. of the other visual effects studios that worked on this film. I mean, the the work it's the scale, the scope of the work and the the amount, the number of shots in this film. I mean, it's just staggering. It's like yeah. it's, it's like it's like uh, you know, Endgame or something. It's yeah. it's on that scale, and yeah. it's like so so much. It's a heroic uh, effort, effort. And endeavor. Yeah. Um, any thoughts? Uh, <clears throat> stepping away, maybe just from this movie, but any thoughts on um, visual effects Oscar this year? We're getting close to the Oscars. I know <sighs> we don't quite have the short list yet, yeah. but is there anything that really stands out? I haven't. Um, I. Haven't seen the Irishman. Who else is who's on the list? I went through it the other day, and I was—I uh, believe it's the Terminator, the, right? I didn't see I Terminator. Terminator but I, was on there. I think uh, the Lion King. Well, in the Bake Off, Terminator was our Ian Fails did a rundown of it on his befores and afters, and I was reading. I should know the all answer the stuff. to this question before I ask it. I guess right. I was reading all the. <laughs> I was reading all the rundown from the from him or from whoever was at the. Um, the Academy Theater where they did the rundown. I think it's the same theater where I saw um, the all the guys from Star Wars talk. You know, Edland and those guys talking about uh, yep. everything back in whenever it was over the summer. Um, I mean, what are the big visual effects movies this year other than Star Wars? I mean, Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars. There's uh, the Lion King. Oh uh, right, which is all, all visual effects. I yeah, the Irish Irishman. Irishman, uh, yeah. Gemini Man. Oh right. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. And of... I believe is is Endgame this year or was that last year? Um, no, that's this year. It's this year. Yeah, it was March, yeah. wasn't it, or something? Yeah. So Endgame would be yeah. the other, I think, big heavy one. In yeah. There. Um, interestingly, um, in the article I read that Ian put up, um. And it, it was tied into the Irishman and why, you know, that, that thing that was floating around Facebook about um, the guy who, took, who did deep fake fixes on all the de-aging in the Irishman. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, my God, it looks so much better. But, I mean, obviously the guy was doing deep fakes on stuff that had already been de-aged. You know, give, right. give him a 70-year-old De Niro and then try and do it. But 
Ian had Ian had pointed out, or whoever wrote the article for him had had pointed out that in Terminator Dark Fate, which I haven't seen, my brother saw it and said it was horrible, is that there are young Arnold and young Linda Hamilton, or at least young Linda Hamilton sections, and that they did 95% of the work was traditional de-aging, you know, digital de-aging techniques. And then Tim Miller, the director said, I want to use deep fakes for basically the icing on the cake. And the last 5% of all of those de-agings was done with deep fakes, which I think is hmm. interesting because it makes sense that you would use a, you know, machine learning algorithm to, you know, replace things that even if you use it and then fix it, it seems like some of that work being automated, obviously given much higher textures than you would find on like a Google image search, which is how most of the deep fakes are done on, you know, 1080p video. We're talking about, you know, 4K scans of film. You can't really do that. So you need higher source material to run through the deep fake. But the concept of the deep fake, I think, is interesting to use um, for those, um, you know, machine learning, AI type um, procedural things. I yeah, mean, we should try to do a, a try to do a, a deeper dive. Maybe do a show on the Irishman and kind of talk about that and some of the things yeah. that were done for that project. Yeah, I think the, the other one that was on the list camera. was 1917, which oh, I haven't right. seen yet. Yeah, there's nine. What, but, did, what I saw the other day, there's like 1,100 visual effects shots in that movie, but it's because it's supposed yeah. to feel like a single take. And it's it's Deacons too. So yeah, I see that one for yeah. sure. Yeah, and they said that there are. Obviously, like Birdman, there's scenes that are stitched together, um, but there's also like huge environments that were added, like battlefields and stuff uh, in CG. I mean, it sort of just came out this week. Yeah, we'll uh, have to dig into those in the yeah. in the coming weeks for sure. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah. we should probably. Uh, we're now it looks like oh, a little yeah. over and almost at a close hour to an hour 20. and a half here. So, yeah. um, Jason, where can people find you? Uh, Jason Diamond everywhere. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and I'm uh, Matt Wallen. I'm at mattwallen.com. And, um, and of course, Mike is uh, Mike Seymour at FX Guide. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think we'll, we'll try to probably do another show here in short order, whether or not we do one specifically on Irishman or on 1917 or um, maybe do a, a sort of Oscars show. We'll see. Um, we'll decide that maybe in the in the next couple of weeks. But um, to everybody who worked on the show, um, I think you know it's hopefully uh, clear. I think we all uh, think this was some amazing work, like mm -hmm. really top notch, top shelf stuff. Um, but uh, any thoughts or questions, suggestions, ideas, feedback, anything you guys have, we'd love to hear from you uh, at fxguide.com and. Um, I don't know, I guess uh, in parting, uh, may the force be with you. Yeah. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at vfx at fxguide.com. Copyright FX Guide, LLC.